Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Today is Monday, April 26, 2021. Roland Martin Unfiltered broadcasting live from Elizabeth City, North Carolina, where folks have been protesting, demanding the release of body camera footage in the fatal shooting death of Andrew Brown Jr. Shot and killed last week, one day after Derek Chauvin was found guilty of the murder of George Floyd. It was a contentious day. We'll describe for you what took place. You'll hear from uh, Andrew's son. You'll hear from attorneys Ben Crump, Bakari Sellers, Reverend Dr. William J. Barber. We'll also take you to the scene where the, where the fatal shooting took place, where one of the attorneys walks us through what happened and... Across the street from Andrew Brown, we talked to a man where a bullet came through his home, came through two rooms. Had he not gone to work early, he could have been killed sitting at his breakfast table. Also, Attorney General Merrick Garland, he is going to have an examination of the Louisville Police Department, but they have also had a spate of shootings. Folks, it's a busy day. It's time to bring the funk. A roller mark on the filter. On location. 
Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Hey, folks, what you're looking at is a live look uh, as we stand outside of the public safety building here in the county where Elizabeth, North Carolina is. You see there are protesters uh, who are out here. Folks have been protesting since last Wednesday when Andrew Brown Jr. was shot and killed by several sheriff's deputies as they uh, serve an arrest warrant uh, at his home here in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. This is a city of 17,000 people, about 50-50 African-American and white. Uh, tensions have, have been running high because of the sheriff's department. They have been not been transparent and unwilling to release the body camera footage that took place uh, on that particular day. They have been very scant in releasing details about what took place as well. Here's what we know as of now. Last week, uh, when this took place, it was on Wednesday, Wednesday morning, around 8 a.m., when these uh, sheriff's deputies descended upon uh, his home, Andrew Brown Jr.'s home, in the, 200, in the 400 block of Perry Street. Uh, there was an altercation. They came out, guns blazing, firing shots into his car. He then tried to uh, r- uh, get away from them. He spun out, drove the car across the street, crashed into the tree in a neighbor's yard, and that's where he died. Now, today at 11.30 a.m., there was supposed to be an opportunity for the family and their lawyers to actually watch the body camera footage. That was the agreement with the sheriff. They got here at 11.30 but it wasn't ready. They were told they had to redact the video, blur the faces of the officers involved. That was the first issue. Then what took place, they came back at 1.30. They, then they were supposed to see the video. Then there was drama as to who would be allowed to see the video. They tried to say only one or two family members. Then the county attorney would not allow the actual lawyers in. He then asserted only attorneys who are under the jurisdiction of the North Carolina Bar Association, they could go in. Folks, that's actually unheard of. There was a news conference today where Ben Crump, Bakari Sellers, and others, the other attorneys, were angry with what took place. They said this, they've never seen anything like this before. Here is a roundup of that news conference here in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. We want to say on the record from the onset, we do not feel that we got transparency. We only saw a snippet of the video. When we know that the video started before and after what they showed the family. And they determined what was pertinent. Why couldn't the family see all the video? They only showed one body cam video even though we know there were several 
body cam videos if they were following the law and the policy in this county that everybody has video cameras on their uniforms. Furthermore, and you're going to hear from Attorney Sellers and Attorney Daniels on this matter, to add insult to injury, they wanted to have just uh, two family members see the video with no legal counsel, as if they did not have a right to have their legal counsel present when they watched this execution of their loved one. And we have to keep demanding transparency because we do not feel what the county attorney offered was transparency at all. And so it's very emotional, not only the video, but how this family was disrespected, even in the aftermath. You talk about insult on top of injury. But be not dismay. The truth will come out. The video will be seen by the public. And we will get justice for Andrew Brown, Jr. These police officers will be held accountable. We, we want to we wanna highlight, I want to highlight the, the disrespect to this family. I want to highlight the broken system of justice we have in this country. As we're going through this process, we told the family that they would have their attorneys in there as some comfort. We went back and forth, and I just want you to say I've never been talked to like I was talked to in there. Wow. I don't know his name, but uh, I, went, I went to the back, and I know that we're live on the news around the world, so I will say that Mr. Cox told me, a grown black man, that he was not fucking going to be bullied. And so I, I walked out and I want you to know that the sheriff was very, very apologetic and diplomatic. The sheriff wanted to make sure that the family saw the video, but it was the county attorney that gave us this back and forth. But let's not focus just on the disrespect shown to me. Let's focus on the disrespect shown to this family. One body cam. 20 seconds in execution. One body cam, 20 seconds in an execution. And so with all due respect, I know there were a lot of people who thought last week's verdict was justice, and I told you then it wasn't justice because we still can't get justice and accountability today. I'm only going to be brief because I'm hot right now. But I do want to say a, a special, a special prayer goes out to this family. Because Khalil saw his father executed. But he's been the strongest one of us all. So lift them up in your prayers. And then as we say in South Carolina, I know we in North Carolina, to the county attorney and everybody else, bless his heart. This family had a fundamental right for transparency that was denied, denied by the county officials of Pasquotank County, specifically the county attorney, 
because he don't not interpret the laws of North Carolina. His position that you had to be an authorized, a, a licensed attorney in the state of North Carolina to represent folk. I offered him the ability to, to read the state bar rules, the rules of the bar. He didn't want to read it. We offered the attorney general to him. He didn't want to talk to him. We offered the governor. He told Bacar he's not going to be bullied. 20 seconds. 20 seconds is not transparency when you got multiple officers gunning down a man with his hands on the steering wheel and trying to get away. We will have justice. We will have justice. Let's be clear. This was an execution. Andrew Brown was in his driveway. The sheriff truck blocked him in his driveway so he could not exit his driveway. Andrew had his hands on his steering wheel. He was not reaching for anything. He wasn't touching anything. He wasn't throwing anything around. He had his hands firmly on the steering wheel. They run up to his vehicle shooting. He still stood there, sat there in his vehicle with his hands on the steering wheel while being shot at. Now keep in mind, this is 20 seconds. I have three pages of notes for 20 seconds. We watched this over and over and over to make sure we were clear at what was being going on and what was transpiring. He finally decides to try to get away, and he backs out, not going towards the officers at all. There was at no time in the 20 seconds that we saw where he was threatening the officers in any kind of way. He was trying to evade being shot. So he backs out, not forward, but backs out away from the officers who's, who's still shooting at him, yelling, stop it, motherfucker, goddamn motherfucker. Constant obscenities being yelled at him while he's being shot at in the driveway of his home in Pascatank County, North Carolina. I'm taking my time, y'all, but it was 20 seconds. He finally backs out, and then he goes around to get out of danger. He goes around, still avoiding any interaction with the officers, still trying to make sure he did not threaten them in any way, that they were not in danger in any way. He backs out, goes around them, and they're still shooting at him while he's driving off. He drives off, the car runs into a tree, and they are still running behind him. Let me make sure I get this right with these, these guns that were there. Bushmaster AR-223s and Glock 17 handguns. It was numerous. So there was assault. A numerous assault rifles were at the scene. We saw one, vehicle, one, one video, 20 seconds, from one body cam. It was at least eight officers there. We only saw one, one body cam. It was a sheriff's truck there. We didn't see any dash cam video. We just saw that one body cam. And he was still shooting. Yeah, he was still. I just want to make it clear that he was. He had, they were still shooting at him after the car had already crashed into a tree. They were still, still in the stance of shooting towards him. His car is riddled with bullets from them shooting at him when he was not in any 
threatening them in any kind of any kind of form or fashion. It's like we against all odds in this world. My dad got executed just by trying to save his own life. You know, he was not in no the, the officers was not in no harm of him at all. It's just messed up how this happened, man. For real. Last one. The video you saw was the police vehicle marked or unmarked? Marked. Was yes. Were they in uniform or were they not? Some of them was in SWAT. Some of them had on uh, jeans and khakis with the, the upper part in uniform. In the audio portion, did you hear them identify themselves? Did you hear them say to him who they were and we need to stop? They had cut that part out. We didn't, 20 seconds, we didn't get a lot. All, we, all they said was, um, hold on, let me look at my note, make sure I get it correct. Take your time. <laughs> Second one, guns drawn, pointing at him while his hands are on the steering wheel. Let me see your hands. His hands are on the steering wheel. It was at least five on the driver's side pointing the guns at him. Let me see your hands. That's what it started at, at the one second mark. So you did not see the beginning, them driving up. No. You see that? No. 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 The beginning of this video was them standing Shooting. Yes. Shots were already being fired. Shots were already being fired by the time we saw it. And then someone was running from the other side of the street, another officer. Um, so, so you, you, not before, but what you saw, as soon as the video starts, you already hear shots. Yes. yes. And, and to my understanding, the, the body cam that was shown was an officer furthest away, not the officers who were right in front of him. Right. So that's the body cam they showed. So there were five cops standing on the driver's side. You no. did not see the body cam from those okay. five cops. That was no, no, we didn't see that. So what was the vantage point? Behind the car, side of the car? On the side of the car, running across the street. So running they were running, he was running, the officer that we saw. From the other was, side of the truck. Right. So it wasn't the one who was shooting? He was shooting too at some point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the video, the video started with the shots coming. It was an execution in Elizabeth City from Second Warren. Yeah, let me just help you yeah, all answer yeah. the questions about the discernment between what was shown and what was not shown. Yeah, yeah. You got to ask them. All right, folks. Um, it was, of uh, course, uh, again, uh, lots of confusion there. Uh, the sheriff's department, the county not being forthcoming at all. Uh, prior to the family going in, prior to that news conference, I caught up with Reverend Dr. William J. Barber, uh, of course, co-convener of Repairs of the Breach, longtime president of the North Carolina in State Chapter, State Conference of the NAACP. Uh, here's what he had to say. Unusual to have Sheriff's Department involved in a fatal shooting and still leading the investigation. Highly unusual. Highly unusual. And, and, and it is, this is in North Carolina, the... DA could immediately ask the prosec uh, the attorney general to take it over. Immediately. Uh, they can invite the SBI immediately in. There's no reason that they could not uh, turn that tape over. That tape that tape could be could come out immediately. Um, they say, well, they gotta get a court order. Well, get the court order. It doesn't take five days, you know. And almost everybody's assured that if something was on that tape that would exonerate the police, it would have been out. Now they want to redact the tape. Here's the problem with the redaction. This is not a matter of national security. Well, the killing is a matter of national security because all these killings are impacting our, our security, our safety, uh, as black people. And to us, it doesn't matter if the cops were black or brown or white. It could be mixed. That's not the issue. The issue is these tapes should be out. 
So this is very unusual. And for them to tell the lawyers that they were going to give them the whole tape, the whole raw footage, and then now to turn around and say, well, we're going to redact it, and now not to be ready. This is highly unusual. The, the prosecutor could immediately say, I want to take the state attorney general. I talked to the attorney general this morning. And uh, he is, could, is, is, so is, if, is he prepared, the attorney general, is he prepared to take this over if that request is made? I don't want to speak for him, but I think the attorney generals in this state have proven themselves to be ready. They've proven themselves time and time again. Remember in the Duke Lacrosse case, yeah. they took it over. Uh, in the case of Jonathan Farrell and Shaw, they took it over. So there's a precedent in this state. But this foolishness, mm -mm, this foolishness, it only makes it worse. The shooting took place the day after Derek Show. The day after Derek Show. Now, that's, that was Wednesday. That was Wednesday. Here we are on Monday. Uh, you've already had several officers uh, three. Re reassign. Three resigned. Three resigned. Seven on. One, of course, ret retired. Retired. They said that's un that's that's not related to this shooting. <laughs> well, we don't know that because we don't know what the tapes say. And then in addition to that, we have audio. And the audio says that they recalled it in and said a man was shot in the back. They said the audio. Now, what have they not found? No gun on him. No drugs. It was a warrant. Why, so the, when the other day when we were in our, in our press conference, the question became, why in the world? One of the reporters here locally asked, did you all know that SWAT went out again? We like SWAT. We didn't know that. Okay. So that's some issue is why is why in the world did you load up like that? There's, there's, we don't know if these were assault rifles. But we do know is that the audio said it was a back shoot. That he was wounded in the back. No, we, he knows what he's doing. His mic yeah, is good. Yeah, well, we're good. We're good. Yeah, mic's yeah. right here. Um, in, in terms of, in terms of um, you know, with this case, mm -hmm. um, county commissioners mm -hmm. initially came out and said they were support of the sheriff. Mm -hmm. uh, they have jurisdiction over this sheriff. They do, because the sheriff is elected. He is elected. Now, he's paid for by the county, but he's an elected officer, so they can't remove him. He can resign. But, but, is it, but isn't it also problematic in that... He's elected, and these folks out here are saying he is not being uh, responsive enough to the citizens who the elected him. Who elected him. Whether they voted for him or not, he is the sheriff of the county. See, that's the thing we got to understand. You don't have to just do what the people that voted for you, because some of the folk may not have voted for him. I don't know that. But once he gets elected, he is voted. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Once he gets elected, he is a voter. In. And he's the sheriff of the whole county. Families, what family and the lawyers are looking at this body cam footage. We hope. We hope. Right? We don't know because they're still standing there. Right. They so haven't gone back. So you got that. And three aunts are out here. Have they indicated that after they actually show it to them, are they going to release it? They have not indicated that we know of. Right now what we're hearing is what the lawyers have said that all they're talking about is showing it to the lawyers and some family. The lawyer and some family. What not even the whole family's in there. The aunts aren't in there. Do you believe that if they continue to delay this, things have been peaceful uh, already, but these folks are getting restless with the lack of answers, the lack of transparency, 
already they declared uh, this all week sc yeah. school children here how, are virtual how, not sitting in not classrooms. In class, right. uh, that, that the protests will intensify, will get larger, and people will continue because of the failure to be that's transparent. Right. That's right. I worry a lot always because, first of all, it should never happen. Second of all, look at what we've had since the children's high. We've had, what, three teenagers shot? We had another man shot in uh, Virginia Beach, and now this shooting here, all dead. Uh, this is a boiling point, and people are tired, people are scared, people are angry. Uh, and transparency is the only way. We need a transparency, and if there's a murder or an execution by cop, we need accountability. We need prosecution without immunity. We need prison. We need federal laws to come in here and look at our practice and our, um, uh, 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 what they call it, practice. Um, to look at the practices of the well, if, well, in fact, while, while we are out right. here, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, the right. they're going to be looking at the Louisville Police Department. Right. He already announced last week that they, they need to come right on down. They need to keep right on coming. <laughs> they need to come on with south and come on east. And we need to make it so that when this stuff happens, that if they're payment, it needs to come out of these police departments and from these police pensions. But what the last thing we need is for this kind of playing of game. Yeah. That's the problem. We need to we need to deal with that. All right, folks, that was Reverend Dr. William J. Barber. Okay, uh, Henry, uh, so we'll do a little bit different. I want you to go to the drone shot, folks. And so this is uh, a shot. Uh, you, you see us in the bottom left-hand corner there. You see our Roland Martin unfiltered uh, tent. Uh, and so the protesters were in front. Uh, but they, what they've now done is they've actually uh, now uh, marched down the street. So let me uh, give you guys a live look uh, of the protesters. Uh, let's see if I can find them. There you go. And so uh, they uh, have been marching down uh, down the street. And so let's see if we can uh, uh, get to them. Uh, you see them uh, there as we right there. So I take it down. Sorry, folks. And so they have been, uh, again, they have been, have had these daily protests uh, going on here uh, in Elizabeth City uh, since the shooting take, took place. And so you see there's different groups there. And so uh, I'm going to try to just go a little bit faster uh, to get to um, uh, those uh, protesters there. You see them, and I believe that they are headed. Uh, we drove earlier, and I believe that they are headed. Um, so... So, all right, so here we go. So you see them there, folks. So they are headed, actually, uh, to the direction of where um, Andrew Brown was uh, shot and killed. Uh, it is not far. It's actually 1.2 miles away from uh, the public safety office. And so uh, that's where uh, they are headed. Uh, and so we have been, of course, uh, here uh, all day. Uh, it, uh, and, and, folks, to understand how bad this has been, uh, it's the lack of answers. It's the lack of answers uh, that people have been complaining about significantly uh, from the sheriff's department. Uh, as you heard me question uh, Ben Crump and Bakari Sellers uh, in that particular news conference, um, the fact that the district attorney is missing in all of this, which makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, earlier, we had an opportunity uh, to actually, so where they are headed, where these protesters are headed, uh, where they headed uh, is to the home of Andrew Brown Jr. Um, Anthony and I went by there earlier uh, with Wayne Kendall, uh, one of the lawyers on this case, and he took us through 
and describe at the scene what took place on Wednesday. Here is that interview. All right, folks, we're here with attorney Wayne Kendall. He's a part of the legal team uh, for the Andrew uh, Brown Jr. family. Uh, we are here uh, at uh, his home. This is where the shooting took place. Uh, Wayne, take us through what happened. Mr. Brown was in his car, in his vehicle, in this driveway with the front of the vehicle facing the street. So the, street, so the front Paris of the vehicle street. was facing this way? It's facing Paris Street, which is the street you're standing in. He was, sta he was sitting in the car when the sheriff's deputies rolled up in pickup trucks and other police vehicles. And, then, and apparently they started giving commands and he to put his hands up or put his hands where they could see him. He put his hands on the steering wheel. So do you know if the police came from this direction or this direction? My understanding is they came from this direction off road. No so they came from this direction here, so they, so they pulled up uh, right in front of here. That's correct. Which means that when they pulled up, they could actually see him. Right. He was facing them. He was facing them. At some point, they started shooting through the vehicle. And my understanding was that they were using a, two, a 223 AR-15 assault-style rifle as well as handguns. And when that happened, he started to back up. You see the mud on the side of the home over there? Right. That's so the this, home he was driving. Let's, let's, walk, let's walk over here. So what you're saying is... He's facing that way. They come up. So he decides to start backing up. And so we see this entire tracks right here. What happened is, if you look carefully at these tire tracks, you'll see over here that this is a double tire track. He backed up. And then he started to go forward. This is a double tire track. You see a, a line of grass through the track so there's a double track side track here he started spinning out and shooting mud up onto the side of the house right if you follow the tire tracks so his car you can see a second tire track right here so he backed up there and then all of a sudden he starts trying to drive driveway through here and you drive through here and you can see him follow the tire track and then the the, the car swerves and crashes into that tree over there in Mr. Gordon's yard. So he crashed, he crashed, so he came across here. Right. And he crashed into that tree over there. Crashed into that tree, and all the time he was driving across here, they were shooting into the vehicle. Right, so this is the, so, so he came across here, and he crashed into that tree over there. Crashed into that tree over there, and shooting into the vehicle. And so the, so the vehicle came to a rest uh, uh, against that tree? Against that tree. And they were shooting into the vehicle reportedly from the witness that I talked to and apparently from the video that uh, our co-counsel saw today. They were continuously shooting into the vehicle and officers were standing out in this grassy field here as he was rolling across, he had lost control of the car after being hit. And he was hit in the back of the neck and in the back of the head. And some other bullet wounds in other parts of his body like his arms. And he crashed into that tree, in my understanding from the witness that was looking from that house down there, that greenhouse. And 
that he crashed into that tree, and then they went around the vehicle and continued to shoot into the vehicle. Even after he had crashed? Even after he had crashed. Now, now the witness you're talking about, she knew him well. Uh, and he had sent her a text. Tell me about that. Well, my understanding is that he sent her a text at 8.20 a.m. on last Wednesday. And at 8.26, he was deceased. So it was. It took six minutes. Six minutes. She when from he, the moment she got, he she, she texted her to the to the uh, to, to so he was over to, here on the tree, deceased with bullet wounds in his head, in the back of his head. So they've only showed 20 seconds of video. So the whole encounter, very well, was in in the five to six minute range. Well, I don't know if it took that long. Right. I doubt if it took that long because my understanding is that he texted her at 8:20. And then by the time she got to her window to look out to see if he was walking toward her house because he, she thought he was coming to her house. Because he, he often did that. He often did that. She's uh, married to a significant other with his cousin. And he would always sometimes visit her in her house with, her, with, her, with his cousin. She thought he might have been coming over to visit. So she looked out the window to see if he was walking toward her house. And that's when she saw his vehicle sitting in, the, in this parking pad here. And by the same time that she saw the vehicle sitting in the parking pad, she sees the sheriff pull up. And when she sees the sheriff's vehicles pull up, shortly after that, she sees him bag his vehicle up and spin out across this vacant lot and end up into that tree. And it traumatized her so much She's an epilepsy sufferer. She has been having continuous seizures. As a result, she says she cannot go to sleep. She cannot close her eyes. She cannot. She's wow. been traumatized by the event. She knew him well. Mm. And she's now, I mean, she was crying when she was recounting the story to me this morning. And it was last Wednesday, almost a week ago. And she says she can't get this out of her head. She's been having continuous seizures. Uh, and that she's, she's at a loss to how to cope with all of this. Mm. Now, you see that house over there? You mm -hmm. see up, you see that 500? Mm -hmm. You see that dark sky at 2 o'clock? Yeah. That's one of the bullet holes. Went through his house. Mm. Wow. Well, someone, went, went they could have somebody in that house could have could have been went injured through, or killed. Went into his home. He allowed a Fox News person to come in. That that bullet went through a, a wall and hit a pot on his stove. Wow! Yes. It's a miracle somebody else wasn't injured or killed. Exactly. I mean, you can see how close these homes are. And these guys were out here with. High power 223, then this was told to us today that they were out here with AR 15 assault style rifles shooting in this neighborhood. And they were, and they was, they was, they were uh, allegedly executing uh, a search warrant, a drug warrant, arrest warrant? warrant for an arrest warrant is what I've seen. I've seen arrest warrant. I don't know about a search warrant. Got it. We hadn't seen a search warrant yet, but people have reported that they had a search warrant. I don't know if they had a search warrant. Got it. Okay. All right. We appreciate it. All right. I'm gonna put it in. All right. Thanks need, a lot. I need to talk to this guy.
All right, folks, a little bit later, we're going to show you that interview with that neighbor. Uh, had he been sitting at his breakfast table, that bullet would have hit him in the head. Wait until we show you. He takes us inside his house, and you will see it. But right now, I want to go to my panel. Uh, Bernarda Glalona, she's a senior trial counsel with the Joey Jackson Law Firm, Julian Malvo. Economist, President Emera, Bennett College here in North Carolina. Also, Eugene Craig, CEO, Eugene Craig Organization. Uh, Bernard, I want to start with you. Have you ever heard anything like what you're – have you heard anything like what you heard today, Bernard, where the county attorney uh, says you can't if – you if, if you're not under the jurisdiction of the North Carolina Bar, you can't come in. Uh, and then only releasing 20 seconds of the video. Uh, the, the actions out here have been just uh, astounding. Roland, that first part is so shady. I have never heard that in my life. And I, I've been practicing law work for 16 years, and I was a prosecutor for 16 years. That's the first I ever heard of that. So let's be real, and this is the problem, that when you have police-involved killings of anyone, any type of person, African-American person, whatever other race, the reality is, is that there should be a separate division, a separate entity that should be investigating those police officers. The same thing goes with the prosecutor's office. That prosecutor's office for that county that only has, I believe, 18,000 people in that county should have a prosecutor outside of that county that's investigating this case because the ties are just too close when you're talking about the police officers and the prosecutors in this case. That's the first problem that you have here. So the attorney general should be stepping in and either prosecuting the case themselves or assigning a separate prosecutor's office to investigate the case on the prosecution side and then a separate entity on the law enforcement side to investigate this case. Because, you know, if there is no transparency, there is no trust in the system, regardless of what the outcome of this case would be. But uh, in my conversation with Reverend Dr. William Barber, uh, Bernarda, uh, the AG just simply can't take it over. He has to be actually asked to take it over by the district attorney. The problem here is that the DA is missing in action. I asked the question specifically at the news conference, uh, and I think we included it, folks, if we didn't, please find it, uh, where I specifically asked, was the DA's office present? Bakari Sellers said no. So mm -hmm. how, how in the world can you have a situation where the sheriff's office, there are several officers who were involved in this shooting, and the sheriff's office is running the investigation, and they are redacting video. That's where the DA's office should have taken this thing over. Absolutely, Roland. This is pure nonsense. And I thank God that you are out there at the very beginning and showing you this nonsense, showing us this nonsense so that people can actually see. That prosecutor for that county is elected. So for the citizens of that county, where's your prosecutor that you elected? Where's the person that you put on charge to be held accountable for any crimes that take place in your jurisdiction and your county? Where are you? This is a shame to all prosecutors. That person is making the prosecutor's office look bad. That person is the prime reason why there is no trust with, with prosecutors or with law enforcement. That is a shame right there. 
Uh, Julian Malvo, uh, you spent time here in North Carolina, uh, as I said, President Emerita uh, of Bennett College. Uh, and in my conversations here with people uh, who are here uh, in Elizabeth City, one of the things that they've said is that uh, in many ways, black folks here have been ignored. Uh, they uh, and, and in fact, I talked to the president of the NAACP uh, chapter and he said, rarely do we even get North Carolina news here. Last night, I was watching television. I saw more Virginia television commercials uh, than I did from North Carolina. Uh, and they said that uh, they are often ignored. They are often not paid attention to. Uh, news media here does not really uh, focus on them as well. Uh, and so they said it's important to have national voices shining a light, demanding these answers, uh, mm-hmm. because otherwise uh, they will just simply just ignore them. In fact, it's, it's media organizations that are going to court on Wednesday to try to get the body cam footage released. Mm-hmm. No role. Carolina is a very interesting state. There's aspects of it that are rather progressive, but aspects that simply are not. There are some parts of it that are back in the 19th century. And in terms of crimes against black people, often uh, basically shoved under the rug. I could tell you stories, which I won't. Uh, I think I've told you a couple of them before about, you know, the differential justice that even our students got. So black students at Bennett A&T were held to a much harsher standard then the Dylan the deficient. I mean, a couple of stories don't even bear even on the air except for one where a young white boy actually defecated on a police and they think he can drink. Meanwhile, some of my girls had a little bitty party. A little, I mean, the music came out of their, their uh, laptop. How loud that possibly they didn't have speakers. And they were taken to jail. Taken to jail. So this is the difference, but this is far less impactful than the execution of the So we know that, you know, this is all about so-called unconscious violence. I don't even think I think Hold tight, hold tight one it's second. Julian, Julian, we're, Julian we're, we're having some issues with your audio. We're having some issues with your audio. You're literally hearing every other word. So we're going to try to work on that uh, and fix that. Uh, Bernard, I want to go back to you. Uh, 20 seconds. My God, 20 seconds. You have a number of cops uh, on, on the street. In fact, uh, there were a couple there are a couple of positions on that street uh, where they had cameras, city-owned cameras. The Sheriff's Department, which is the county, has taken possession of those videos. That's the city. This is this is such a shame, Roland. I mean, I'm getting so hot just sitting here just listening to you because this is so ridiculous of what's going on. It's a shame to the people of that county. It's the shame to the people of North Carolina. It's actually a shame and sad for us as a community to be watching how this so-called justice is playing out. Look, I don't know what happened to, to Mr. Andrew. I don't know. I don't know if the cops were justified. But the problem that I have with all of this is that there is no leadership, there is no transparency, and there's a whole bunch of shadiness that's going on. And that is not, that is not the way that the criminal justice system should work. That is not the way to get the trust of the community. That is not the way for the community to trust in you, the prosecutor, or to trust in you, the criminal justice system, or to trust in you in law enforcement. And that is the problem that I have. Where is the leadership? Where is the separation so there can be the appearance 
the appearance that there is no bias or that this investigation is not tainted. This is ridiculous. And let me just take it to another level, Roland, because in every state, there is the Victims' Rights Act. In North Carolina, there's the Victims' Rights Act. So for this man who died, his family, his son, has the right to know what is going on at every crucial level of this investigation and the prosecution, if any. And that is not happening in this case. And it is a shame and it is disgusting for that city to have to show off that this is what they have to offer. It takes people like you, Roland Martin, and Ben Crump, and the other media outlets to go out there to bring that information back to us so we can know what's going on and for us to talk about it so the change that needs to happen, we can start working on it. Uh, I think we've got Julian's audio taken care of. Julian, uh, one of the things that uh, folks were concerned about, first of all, uh, and uh, let's do this here, uh, where we are now, uh, again, so if you see uh, Anthony, uh, let's get the shot over here. So uh, the, the protesters were over here, uh, and, and supposedly uh, counter-protesters in support of the police were supposed to be out here. They didn't show up. There was also some concern of people here about Antifa uh, showing up. And one of the things that they wanted to make clear, uh, the folks here, that they have been peaceful. They've been peacefully protesting here uh, since the beginning, uh, but they want to keep the pressure going. Uh, and and, and that, 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 that's really important. Uh, Julian, this is one of those moments, I dare say, uh, that if you have what people call oftentimes a sleepy town, uh, this is one of those things that can wake a city up, that can wake a town up, hmm. much like what happened in Ferguson with Michael Brown. Absolutely. I think that oftentimes people swallow the injustice because it's not so vivid. This is very vivid. This man was shot I don't know how many times, um, and it doesn't seem like anybody else does either, but multiple shots, unnecessary, didn't have to do it. And you see the outpouring of support from the community. This is personal. When someone says shoplifting or, you know, noise pollution or whatever, that's not personal. People say, okay, well, those are young people, whatever. But this is really personal for a whole lot of people. And in, in light of the Chauvin um, uh, indictment, of Chauvin guilty verdict, but then this week after, I mean, last week after Chauvin, then we get this empty ground situation. We get the other situation with the young lady um, in Columbus, Ohio. This is... This is like if black people were a stone rock, this is like hitting the rock, hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. And, you know, years ago, Richard Wright, the, the uh, novelist of um, Native Son, said, it's mm -hmm. not that I have, have been lynched. It's that I know about the lynching, which, which is a threat to me. I think that every black man has someone been shaken. I think that every black woman with sons has been shaken. And not even with sons, just, just by yourself has been shaken. And so, yes, this sleepy town can wake up, can wake up if people keep it moving and if the, the so-called law enforcement does not do the wrong thing. You know, in Florida, they pass a law about defining what's a riot and what's a this and that. If, if the law enforcement people work with the protesters, this can be peaceful. All right, folks, uh, let's get uh, Anthony. We ready for the. Uh, all right. So here's the deal, y'all. Um, I showed you that uh, walkthrough uh, with the attorney, Wayne Kendall. Um, and then we walked across the street uh, and we talked with Michael Gibson. 
Michael Gibson lives in the home with his wife, married 38 years. Uh, it was in his yard where Andrew Brown Jr.'s car crashed into a tree. Uh, listen to him describe the aftermath. And not only that, one of those stray bullets fired by the cops, a high-caliber weapon, came through his home, went through two walls. If, if Michael Gibson... Had not, if he had been 30, if he had waited, because he said his wife went to work before, went to work first, and then he went to work before that. They both left before 8 o'clock. This took place around between 8.20 and 8.26. If Michael Gibson had delayed his leaving home by 15, 20 minutes, and if he had been sitting at his kitchen table, Michael Gibson likely would be dead because that bullet literally came through at at the height of where he would be sitting in his kitchen listen to his description man talk about scary i didn't see the car didn't see anything but anyway so that wednesday morning when i did uh, you your wife uh, well, now it's not we were, i got in contact with my wife i called her and she says that my daughter so no one was there, there. No one was there. Her home. Hey, man, bro. and they was and, uh, we had my wife here quarter, eight, when, when i got here so i had to wait all right folks uh, so sorry we're going to get the audio track fixed so something is we have double audio there so because i really want y'all to listen to this uh because we have it fixed okay all right all right, fine. All right, so now, now Anthony got it fixed, so let's go ahead and play uh, the video from the. My daughter doesn't live here. So that Wednesday morning, uh, you, your wife, and daughter were not here. No, we weren't here. My daughter doesn't live here. By just my wife and I reside here. So no one was here. No one was here. Thank goodness. Hey, Amen, brother. And uh, we, my wife, left about quarter to eight, and I left about quarter after eight. My brother and I went to Lowe's, and when uh, I had to come back home get him a shop to get something else. So uh, when we got it coming from down those coming down Patrick from Roanoke, they told us that we couldn't come in. That we had to find another way to get in. So we left and went back out of Roanoke, come back through, went down Walker Avenue, got to Walker Avenue, still couldn't let us in. So something had happened. But when I got down and turned on Ray Street, one of the uh, young ladies that used to live in that house she told me, said that they had just shot Drew. And I'm like, who's Drew? You know. So I said, the guy that lives in front of you were the house that I used to live in. I said, what? They shot him? Said, yeah, they shot him about eight times what she heard. She said she heard the shots. So my brother and I said, look, man, this, this came in. This going to what we got to do. So we went and started working. So when I'm working, I don't, my brother and I, we don't keep our phones with us. We leave them in the truck. So when we uh, did knock off, it was about maybe one, one, quarter after one. 
And uh, we had, I had about 36 missed phone calls. My brother had break many. So he called his wife, well, his wife called him and told him that I needed to get home. Mike needs to get home because they done shot in his house. So I'm like, shot in my house? You know, but I didn't see none of this. I mean, they wouldn't even let us get those orange uh, recycling bins down there. That's as far as they would allow us to get. I couldn't see none of this. But matter of fact, at that time, wasn't no tent or nothing in my yard. It was just cops. It wasn't nothing in the yard. Evidently, I didn't see the car, didn't see anything. But anyway, when I did uh, allow Steve, I got in contact with my wife. I called her and she says that my daughter had picked her or had followed her home and they was already here when I got here. So I had to wait until the officers gave me permission to come home. But my daughter and my wife was already in the house you know, sweeping up glass. So my daughter says, Dad, had, uh, you been you breaking the thing before you leave this morning? She said, I don't know. Dad ain't broke nothing. If I would, I'd have gotten it up. So she was coming to sweeping up glass. So she asked me, what kind of glass Daddy y'all got in here that's gold around the trim and clear? And I said, I ain't this. And I looked around, I said, that's my clock. So then when I looked up, I seen, that's when I seen where the, the projectile had come through and it went through my clock and on the wall where my wife sits about a foot above her head where she sits across the room. Then I'm going wild. Now they done shot through my dick. They done shot through my house. So now, where are they doing shooting at my house? That's my, that's where I am. So then I goes in the kitchen and finds the, the looking at where I'm, because I'm ex-military. I looked at where things might have went or might have been. And then I looked where my crock pot sits on the counter and I see the indentation in my crock pot and I looks down on the floor and I see the projectile. Was that a two, two, three bullet? Uh, it was already bam. It had impacted, but it, it didn't look, it, it, it was heavy enough. It didn't look like no, no uh, pistol round to me. Right. Well, a two, two, three bullet is real small. Yeah, well, it, this here bullet did, when it, the impact on it wasn't no bigger than that. When it hit the impact, that metal, um, when it, when it slowed it down some when it went through that, this, that wood. So that, so that, that, that hole right there, that, that's the bullet. Yes. That's, that's the bullet hole. That's where it So it went, in. it went through here, then went through, through my other side of my front room. Do you mind through, the, the, through the front room and, and then through my kitchen. From the front room but, but to the kitchen. It hit right there. Yeah, it started right here. Oh. It increased this. Wow. Man. Wow, so that changed the trajectory. That's wow. right. It brought it down. That. It brought it down. So it came from there, through there, yeah. through the front room. Through the side of the side of the room. Through the side of the room. Through my kitchen. Through the kitchen. And on my counter. Man. Thank goodness nobody was on. I praise God for that. And see, that's what I was trying to explain to them. They don't understand. <laughs> I got people coming in, baby. You hear him, honey? Yes, it came through. You can look outside oh. and see that. So this is the clock. Yes, just, you can see where it came in. If you come over here, you can yeah, see daylight. Right here, you can there. see you can see that hole. So the so that's the, you can see see the daylight right here. You can see right through that hole. Yeah, you can see through there. So it came through here. It came through there, and then this is where my wife sits all the time. It hit this picture and went through there. Man.
Got it. And then once it hit here, it came through that wall into this side wall here and came through this wall and hit here. Wow. So if y'all had if not... If I sat there at breakfast, eating breakfast like I do, that round would have went through Michael's head. See, you know. Wow. So you said your wife left first, you left a little bit after that. Right. This happened around 8.30. You're right. If, if uh, for whatever reason, if y'all were 30 minutes late or whatever. We'd have been right here. Ooh. And then it hit my crock pot right here. here. And hit the crock pot yeah, right here. Yeah, it hit my crock pot right here. I see the indention right there. It hit it there and it landed up down there on the, on the floor. Man. Crazy. When I sat there, you can, I mean, it's, it's dead center of my head when I sat in my chair eating breakfast. Yeah, right here. You're right there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sitting right there, man, and it's crazy. So, man. I mean, I, I just try to tell them, I mean, I, I'm not mad with them guys, but the thing with it is, you don't shoot like that. Don't do that. I mean, this is the residential area. You got the social services down there. You got the health department down there. You got a school down there. And people walk past this house and this yard and this sidewalk every day. And it doesn't make sense to discharge. If, they, if I had shot in an occupied dwelling, those people would have me on the ground with their knee in my damn neck. Right. You know what I mean? They'd have had me locked down by now. Yep. They would have had me, you know, the young man, Michael Gordon, proud veteran, shooting in houses. They would had me jacked up. Hmm. You know, and it's crazy. So, you how, know. How, how long did you know Andrew? Uh, did you know him well? Yeah, I knew his, his dad, I knew his mother, and I knew him when he was a little puppy. Mm -hmm. I know him when he was a little puppy, but he didn't get no trouble around here in the hood. You know, whatever he did or whatever they said he done, I don't know, because, you know, I didn't affiliate myself with too many people in the hood, but he hadn't been recently about a good, I'll say five months, maybe if less than that, moved over there, mm -hmm. you know. Well, for, some, you. for some apparent reason, don't nobody stay over there long. Well, thank God you and your, you and your wife and your, uh, and your daughter. Yes, wasn't here, man, because like I say, that's what I'm really highly pissed off about. She's still upstairs laying down there. She's trying to get it together. But I'm telling you, man, I mean, I, I've been married 38 years. And something happened to my wife, man. I mean, you know, it's like this. Right. You know, if she perish, she perish. But don't let nobody shoot in my damn house and kill my wife and shoot my wife. Right. See, they get me on the edge. You know I what I mean? I that's going to have me all crazy and jacked up. You know, and that's crazy. Well, I appreciate you uh, letting us in. We appreciate it, brother. Yeah, man. You're welcome. Know. And I appreciate y'all for taking time out to, to hear the story tonight. Yes, no, y'all. I, I I know how that went, and and they should know better than that. Yep. Hey, hey, Henry. I want you to actually, uh, go, Henry. I want, I want you, Henry. Uh, Calm. I got you. I want you to go to the drone shot. I want you to go to the drone shot, uh, folks. While that video was playing, uh, a number of folks all of a sudden we saw about ten police officers uh, go down uh, the street there, uh, and they went down to this parking lot over here, uh, and then uh, they were talking to someone uh, in the corner there, and then a number of the protesters basically followed them over there, uh, and so uh, we were tracking. So you see all the protesters there, uh, and so the uh, all of the uh, the sheriff's folks. 
they were looks like they've now gone inside, but uh, they were all all of a sudden congregating uh, down there, and so not sure what was going on there. Uh, but we were recording and tracking the whole thing uh, live um, with the drone uh, just to uh, keep an eye uh, on what's going on. So you still see uh, you still see them uh, assembled there. That uh, they've now gone back inside of the uh, of the building there. Uh, and again, not sure what what was the action that was taking place, uh, but we were tracking it the the entire time. Uh, and so again. Uh, you got uh, you got tension. So, you know, let me just do this here. Let me take it up higher, folks, uh, so you can see because they you know not sure what's going on um, with uh, the protesters there. But like I say, tensions are, are running high here. Uh, give me one second. OK, there you go. So you see uh, you see some of the protesters there uh, are, uh, you know, talking with the police. Uh, let, me, let me back the drone up so you can see this from this perspective. So you see right here. Uh, again, not sure uh, what's going on. What, 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 really, what really caught our attention was to see, again, about 10 or 12 police officers, sheriff's deputies, uh, go to that parking lot. And then about 15 or 20 uh, protesters uh, decided to uh, follow behind them. And so we were just, again, just tracking that. So it looks like all of those sheriff's deputies uh, have gone back uh, into uh, this is the building they've gone back into uh, right here. And so it's uh, not far from where we are. You see us uh, there in the parking lot there in the distance. Uh, and so, uh, Henry, you can come back to me. And so, uh, again, folks, uh, we just wanted to uh, you know keep abreast of, of that uh, and what was happening, uh, what was happening there. Um, uh, let's do this here, folks. We're going to go to a break. Uh, and we come back. We're going to continue talking about what's happening here in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. But also, Attorney General Merrick Garland now saying the DOJ is going to do a widespread examination of the Louisville Police Department one week after he made the same announcement for Minneapolis. We're broadcasting live from Elizabeth City, North Carolina. I'm Roland Martin. This is Roland Martin Unfiltered. We'll be back in a moment. He's delivering 3 million shots a day, 200 million doses so far, 150 million stimulus checks delivered, a million jobs created, more jobs in the first two months than any administration in history, plans to rebuild America's roads and bridges and create 2 million more jobs funded by corporations paying their fair share. President Biden getting America back on track. The Democratic National Committee is responsible for the content of this advertising. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett. Yo, it's your man Dion Cole from Blackish, and you watch Roland Martin Unfiltered. Stay woke. Um. All right, folks, uh, welcome back. We're here in Elizabeth City, uh, North Carolina, folks. Uh, again, where so much of the focus uh, is on this town. Uh, last week, um, 42-year-old black man, Andrew Brown Jr., shot and killed uh, by sheriff's deputies as they were trying to uh, allegedly uh, execute an arrest warrant uh, for him. Uh, and uh, 20 seconds of the body cam footage was released uh, today to the family. They say grossly unacceptable, uh, simply not good enough. And so we have been uh, on top of this uh, here, got here last night, uh, and again uh, was uh, covering today. Uh, and, and here's what is extremely strange. I want to go back to uh, Bernarda and Julian. I think, let me know if we have Eugene Craig. I believe we have him as well. 
Bernard, Bernard, here's what's unbelievable. Nothing today from the sheriff's office. No <laughs> public statement from the county attorney. No public statement from the county commissioners. Uh, we've been out here since 930 this morning. We have only heard from the family attorneys, the family and their supporters. That's it. No one from this city and county talking today. That that makes no sense. These are elected officials. Exactly. These are elected officials. The sheriff is elected. The prosecutor is elected. These are people that are put into office by the citizens of that county. And where is the accountability when you don't have these leaders showing up, getting in front of all of this to try to calm the community down or try to bring some patience to the community? And that lack of leadership is what upsets us and what is upsetting the community at this point. So if they don't want something to happen in that community, show your face what you were elected to do, and let's hear from you. What do you have to say? Eugene. Yeah, look, um, when you're in a position of power, when you're in leadership, when you're an elected official, you absolutely have to step up in moments like this. Um, the sheriff not issuing a statement um, is unacceptable. And, uh, you know, look, he should probably take a good hard look at resigning um, if, if he can't step up and be the chief law enforcement officer of the county. You know, Roland, if they, didn't have any, if they didn't have anything to hide, they would release all of the footage. What is clear here to me is that they have something to hide. And you can contrast the uh, transparency from the city of Elizabeth uh, City, the city, which had a press conference, I believe, either Friday or over the weekend, where they tried to make the distinction, no, did make the distinction between the city and the county. They've been fully transparent, but apparently the county does not feel that they have to be. And so there is something that's being hidden, and, and we know it, because if there was nothing on those, if, if there was some instance where uh, Andrew had um, run his car into a deputy or something, we'd see it. Now, what we see is a bunch of trigger-happy police officers who basically, uh, and I appreciate the um, piece you did with a brother from across the street. I mean, how are you shooting into occupied housing? Anybody could have been there, anybody. And so th th this, again, hides up the reason why we have to have police reform. Mayor Garland is going about it the right way, city by city. He's looking at consent decrees. And have these police officers or departments really rather to adjust their be behavior, to just adjust their behavior. So I applaud him for that. And speaking of that, uh, he made that announcement today that uh, the Department of Justice will be examining the practices of the Louisville Police Department. Here's some of what he had to say. Today, the Justice Department is opening a, opening a civil investigation into the Louisville-Jefferson County Metro Government and the Louisville Metro Police Department to determine whether LMPD engages in a pattern or practice of violations of the Constitution or federal law. Today's announcement is based on an extensive review of publicly available information about LMPD conducted by the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division. The investigation will assess whether LMPD engages in a pattern or practice of using unreasonable force, including with respect to people involved in peaceful, expressive activities. 
It will determine whether LMPD engages in unconstitutional stops, searches, and seizures, as well as whether the department unlawfully executes search warrants on private homes. It will also assess whether LMPD engages in discriminatory conduct on the basis of race or fails to provide public services that comply with the Americans with Disability Act. The investigation will include a comprehensive review of the Louisville Police Department's policies and training. It will also assess the effectiveness of LMPD's supervision of officers and systems of accountability. As in every Justice Department investigation, we will follow the facts and the law wherever they lead. All right, then. Uh, so, Bernardo, talk about that. Talk about the importance of uh, what uh, the Attorney General is doing second week in a row They're looking at a police department. This is a huge impact. It's send, definitely sending a message to the country that definitely what this administration wants to do is that they want to take an overhaul of the police department. They want to take an overhaul of what is going on in these different police departments that has led to the death of so many African Americans. And if the state can't police their own police, guess what? Now the feds are coming in and they're going to take a hard look, impartial look, to see what is the problem with your community, what is the problem with your police department, and what needs to be done. It happened in Chicago, it happened in Baltimore, and I'm glad to see that Louisville is now having that same impact. Uh, of course, uh, that's just an area of view, of course, where we are right now, uh, Eugene. Uh, and look, we're going to be spending far more time on the road traveling, uh, uh, covering these type of stories because uh, we're demanding answers. We need answers uh, from these folks. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're the ones who are dying. And this is the moment. This is what black folks voted for uh, with the election of uh, President uh, Joe Biden, the election of um, the election of uh, Kamala Harris. And so bottom line is uh, folks want to return on their investment. That's what they want. Look, it's, it's accountability. Um, you know, for the first time in a very long time, in at least four years, you now have a federal government that's willing to hold stakeholders accountable uh, for their actions. And uh, that's what's being, that's what's at play here. Um, when the states act up, it's the federal government's job to come to make sure that they aren't violating civil rights, that they aren't violating natural rights, they aren't violating human rights. And uh, that's what you have the Merrick Garland Justice Department doing now, is making sure that, you know, we're holding uh, a lot of these agencies that receive federal funding and are propped up by the federal government accountable for their actions. Uh, Julian, I think that, uh, remember, on, on Donald Trump, uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, Attorney General William Barr, uh, they were making excuses for police. Oh, we don't want to hurt their feelings. It's hurting morale. Uh, now you have a much more aggressive Department of Justice. Vanita Gupta has been confirmed. Uh, we're waiting for Christian Clark to be confirmed over the Civil Rights Division. I expect to see far more of this uh, under the Biden-Harris administration. Absolutely. I mean, we went from an administration where the police could do uh, basically nothing wrong. You could execute people with impunity to an, an administration where people understand structural racism. They understand structural racism and they're looking at the systematic ways that things like these, these executions occur. Um, so it, 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 is a, it is a sea change in terms of the ways that people are looking at law enforcement. Now, 
that's easier said than done. And the real issue is, can there be a sea change in police attitudes? And the answer is, I'm not so sure. Well, we can't get a sheriff to respond for body uh, camera footage when they know that this grieving family is sitting there trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, that's absurd. It's abysmal. And so, but you still have some of the folks, if you, I mean, I read the Washington Post and the comments section. In the comments section, you would be amazed at the number of people, well, the, what, why didn't they, you know, they always have an excuse. But here's a really bottom line excuse. We have seen executions of black people in the last week. Since Chauvin was found guilty, we've still seen black people being executed. So a lot of people say, well, this is a signal. Well, signal to who? Um, well, uh, one of the things that I think uh, is important as we uh, continue to ask these questions, and, and that is you have to also begin to demand the level of accountability. Uh, one of the things that's going to happen tomorrow, 11 a.m., there's going to be a news conference uh, because the family is going to be releasing mm-hmm. the results of an independent autopsy. Uh, we're going to also be back at the county office because we need some answers. We want to hear from the county commissioners. We want to hear from uh, from uh, the county judge, from the county attorney. They need to be speaking to the people here. Uh, and, and I think what's I think, and I said this last week, uh, Bernarda. I think you're going to see a far more uh, aggressive uh, position from people because with the Derek Chauvin verdict, uh, I said then that it was going to give folks momentum. I still think so, uh, and I think that people uh, understand that. I'm not saying it is shifted completely, but I do believe mm-hmm. people are seeing a tide turning where folks are not just accepting whatever cops say as the gospel. So, Roland, one thing you also said last week that was so moving is that aside from holding people accountable, that you also need a prosecutor who has the courage. And that is the courage to step up, the courage to be a leader, the courage to conduct a fair and impartial investigation no matter where it ends and be transparent with the public. Unlike what we see here, where we haven't even seen the face of the prosecutor or the sheriff. So in order for there to be any movement in the positive direction, what we need is to hold the chief law enforcement official, the prosecutors, accountable. Because remember, the prosecutor has much more power than the police department. It is the prosecutor who decides whether charges should be bought, if so, what charges should be bought, and if there are charges bought, what type of sentence or what type of prosecution there is going to take. Because it can either be a grand jury presentation, it could be a preliminary hearing, or it can be oh, we made a decision by looking at the evidence that's available to us, and we do not feel that it should be presented to a grand jury or presented as a preliminary hearing. Oh, we can have the okey-doke like Mr. Cameron from uh, Kentucky. Well, let's go to Virginia, where the Spotsylvania Sheriff's Office of Virginia, they released body camera footage and a portion of the 911 audio call of the recent officer-involved shooting of a 32-year-old black man. The recordings appear to show the deputy mistook a cordless house phone held by Isaiah Brown for a gun before the deputy shot him 10 times. Watch this. On scene, someone's walking on the roadway. Show me your hands! Show me your hands! You want a gunpoint? Show me your hands now! 
Show me your hands! Drop the gun! He's got a gun to his head. Drop the gun now! Stop walking towards me! Stop walking towards me! Stop! Stop! Shots fired, shots fired, one down. Show me your hands! Show me your hands! Drop the gun! Drop the gun! Let go of the gun! Final two, about five shots fired. Suspect's laying down in the roadway. Show me your hands now! Show me your hands now! Two zero two. I'm tough for several gunshots to the abdomen, performing life-saving measures. This shooting took place last Wednesday morning, same day as the shooting here in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Now, uh, this young man uh, called uh, the police. Uh, the deputy came there because of a, de- a domestic disturbance. Brown, the man who was shot, called 911 because his brother would not let him into his mother's room. Uh, he, folks, remains in critical condition. Saying number one, what is the address of your emergency? One zero two zero nine, Kabaka, Virginia. You calling the police again? Isaiah, what's going on? My brother won't let me get in my mom's room. Okay, and why is that an emergency? What is it? Why is that an emergency? Because I can't get to my car. Your car was towed. So it's in the backyard. Your car is in the backyard? We're about to go see. Okay, but your car is broken down, so why do you need your keys? Alright. Come on, Tavin. Nigga, I'm not, I'm fucking, I'm, all right, give me the gun. No, nigga. You brought to make me fucking get, get mad, bro, for real. I'm not playing, bro. What the fuck you need my gun for? Can you send somebody down here? What is going on, Isaiah? Why don't you just, what is the problem? I'm about to kill my brother. You, don't kill your brother. Get up. All right. Get up. Why would you say something like that? Come on, Tavis. Somebody need to come here real quick. Okay, but do you understand that you just threatened to kill your brother on a recorded line on 911? Mm-hmm. So why would you say something like that? Because I need to get to my shit. That's not a reason to kill somebody. Why would you do that? I... Come on, I'm off Do you have a gun? Yeah. you have a gun on you? Nope. Where's your brother? In the house. And you're outside? Mm-hmm. Do you have any weapons on you? Nope. Alright, where are you at outside? I'm walking down the road. How are you walking down the road with the house phone? Because I can. Alright, you need to hold your hands up. Hold your hands up. 
Earlier today, uh, the family held a news conference, and Isaiah's sister Yolanda, she spoke. Need to label this. I'm not going to label this. You know, as a whole, right now, this country is divided. Um, it's not one race. It's a lot of minorities that walk in daily fear. It's a fear that nobody should have to feel. Um, we don't have any hate in our heart or prejudice towards anyone. Neither does my brother. The hearts that we have is for everyone. We, our hearts go out to the families that understand exactly how we feel, you know, and, and we've always cared for them, but it ain't like this when it hit home. Now, the family wants all of the sheriff's recordings to be released. Bernard, I, there are there's a lot of questions I have regarding uh, uh, this story right here. First off, you have the dispatcher. It is clear they know this young man. They, they knew Isaiah Brown. For the mm -hmm. dispatcher to know his car, his status being towed. What I don't understand is you hear the dispatcher say, do you have a gun? No. What is in your hand? A phone. She repeated that. But then the cop gets on the scene and he says, put the gun down. I'm just trying to understand. And we're literally hearing mm -hmm. the officer give the commands. And you're going, is anybody communicating with the cop? He doesn't have a gun. It's a phone. So, Roland, there are a couple issues with that. So when you call 911, the message that you are, are, are relaying to the person that's on the 911 call is not exactly relating word from word what you're saying to the police officer. They are typing it up, bits and pieces of it, and then communicating it to the police officer that is responding. So all that information is not being communicated. What I believe probably what may have happened is that this 911 agent clearly put at least that he said that he had a gun or he's going to kill his brother because another thing is that you'd rather be safe than sorry so she wanted to give a heads up at least to the sheriff or the police officers that responded in addition to that there was already the sheriff or the police officer that actually fired at isaiah multiple times early in the day had given isaiah a ride home so clearly they do know each other, and this police department is familiar with that household. Unfortunately, there are a lot of unanswered questions in this case. Roland, I really hope that Isaiah makes it out okay, that he survives, because unfortunately, based on what has been released right now, I do not see a prosecution in this case against the officer that fired the multiple shots at Isaiah. And the sad thing here, Julian, is just like in the Makia Bryant case, uh, the number of times when black people have called the cops uh, to settle issues, family issues, and somebody ends mm -hmm. up dead. You know, as I was listening to the 911 call, I was thinking that, first of all, we need to be careful about when we bring 911 into our lives, because these folks are trained to respond to emergencies. 
And they're already that you listen to the police officer already amped up. Drop the gun, drop the gun. Um, so that's one thing. This case and the Makia case also makes a um, point about having social workers on call as well as police officers. I mean, I think with the Makia, that could have been resolved. It was they were fighting over someone cleaning their room, and the next thing you know, the young lady is dead. In this particular case, is how you have two squibblings uh, squabbling. And if squib, uh, you know, squabbling siblings called 911 every time they got into a beef, um, that would be a challenge. So I really want us to think as a community about when we involve 911 and when we don't, and when there's conflict in our household, who do we involve? Who can work this conflict out? Um, because this is heartbreaking. That, and this, you know, just that a young man is killed behind BS. It's really heartbreaking. Uh, Eugene, and that, that really is the thing, and I, I keep telling people, I mean, look, these cops uh, are trained to use lethal force, uh, and this is also why, and again, as I listen to that 911 call, frankly, that to me sounded like one of those examples where it was better to send a mental health professional mm-hmm. than a police officer yeah. with a gun. I, I agree 100% with you. Um, this is one of those cases where it would have been better to send a uh, mental health professional than an officer with a gun. Um, and I would take it a step further. Um, you know, even when the officer arrives, there's no reason you should be shooting off your gun if you don't have a clear visual. Um, you know, a phone and a gun are shaped two different ways. Um, I mean, one's, you know, pretty much a long line, one's an L, you know, one's an L. And so, you know, when this officer, um, you know, is telling him to, you know, put his hands up and drop the gun, you know, even if you think that he's going to, you know, commit suicide, that doesn't mean that you help accelerate that, you know, death by unloading your chamber. Um, and so, look, I, I think this this is one of those very, very unique situations where it would have been more helpful to have a mental health professional than an officer. Um, um, but the thing is this, by that same token, um, when an officer arrives on the scene, um, that does not give them license to just let, you know, empty out every bullet they have in their clip. Um, and if they are going to shoot, you know, they well, need to make sure he has a clear visual. I mean, I think that's where the, the negligence is. Folks, let's stay in Virginia. You might recall us showing you this video two years ago in 2019 when a Virginia State Trooper, let's just say he decided to show himself as a brother recorded this confrontation in his car. You can't do that, sir. This officer is trying to unlock my car. This officer is unlocking my car. They just illegally entered my car. And I'm being forcefully removed. Take a look at me. I'm being I'm forcefully removed. I'm a fucking removed. specimen right here, buddy. Sir, I'm you in no... my last My nerve. hands are up on camera. All right. I'm in no threat You're going to gonna get your ass whooped in front of fucking hands, Lord and all creation. I'm going to give up. you one more chance. I'm being threatened. You can bring that with you. I'll let you film threatened. the whole thing. I'm being threatened no, right now. I'm giving you a chance. I am not doing anything. I feel I'm giving unsafe. you a chance. I feel unsafe. And I'm in no threat to these three officers. My hands are up. I am doing nothing wrong to provoke anybody or anything. Making sure this is all recorded. I've just been threatened by you can a lawful officer. I have just been threatened by a law officer as two other officers stand by and say absolutely nothing. 
willing to participate. My rear, my passenger door was open. My driver door was open. I have it on camera. He rolled my okay. window down to do so. I'm giving you to the count of three. Sir, I'm still I'm this giving is all you. on camera. I am not sure, resisting. I'm making fine. sure it is being known. I am not yeah. resisting. Okay. My hands are up. One okay. hand on this camera. Well, come on, my seatbelt is being arrested. As long as your hands are up, that's fine. I'm not resisting. As long as your hands are up. I was unlawfully. Okay, come on sir, up. please do not touch me, sir. Keep your phone out. Sir, please do not touch me. See, that's where we're coming to a disagreement. It's not about I'm giving you to the count of three. Don't do this. Sir, do it. I'm don't not touching it, this officer. It's don't on camera. It. My hand is by Step my out head. Of the car right I'm now. being threatened. Now you're I'm under being arrest. Threatened. Now I'm you're under arrest for disobeying the law of being an officer. I'm giving you lawfully to the count detained. of three. This officer has threatened me, and I'm One, making it known I am no threat to this two, officer. I've been threatened. Oh, watch the show. My folks. life is in danger. My life is in danger. How do you like that? How do you like that? Huh? Put your hands on right. Put your hands. Yes, you are. I'm not resisting. You are. No, I'm not. Put your hands on Well, that officer, Charles Hewitt, that state trooper, no longer has a job. He has been fired. Here's the crazy thing, Bernarda. Derek Thompson uh, was pulled over for an expired inspection decal. They claim they smelled <laughs> marijuana in the car. But all of that because of an inspection decal. Uh, Thompson uh, sued the state. He settled for $20,000 with no admission of wrongdoing by the state. But that state trooper does not have a job. Well, absolutely. Rightfully so. That state trooper, former state trooper Hewitt, used unnecessary and excessive force on a person that was not armed, a person that was not an imminent threat. And it wasn't unca it wasn't called for the use of force that that state trooper used. So rightfully so, he lost his job. It's a shame that for the little minor things, how a person can lose their life, because that incident could have turned out completely different where this man could have lost his life over this guy's ego. You know, this guy was so aggressive, bro. Um, uh, that the, the language, the, the, the whole manner, ahead. the aggression is just over the top. And that's what we've seen quite a bit of lately with officers, the way that they talk to people. I mean, there was the other case with the uh, lieutenant uh, who got stopped, I believe was also in Virginia. But the, they have been trained mm -hmm. to treat us like animals to talk to us any kind of way. I would give this young man commendation for him keeping his wits about him, and uh, I would refer him to Ben Crump, because frankly, $20,000 is hardly enough to compensate for that madness that he just had to go through. And the other thing is that there are three other officers hanging around. What happens to them? None of them had enough sense to say, excuse me, right. don't you think you're going a little too far? Well, but that's, that's what happens when There's folks no don't say anything right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and that's when you have, you have accountability. Folks, let's go to Florida, where a Jackson County judge has set a trial date for a former deputy accused of planting drugs on drivers during traffic stops. Former Deputy Sheriff Zachary Wester faces over 50 counts, including racketeering, official misconduct, perjury, and fabricating evidence during internal investigation by the department. Investigators discovered 
drug paraphernalia uh, in his car matching items he planted on drivers. Y'all, it gets better. His body cam showed the arrest and the planting of drugs. Chicken nugget pork. Chicken McNugget. Discoloration tested presumptive positive for methamphetamine. That does have the appearance of crystal methamphetamine. Okay. It's not, is it? That's red in color. Okay. You see the blue on the on the cotton swab? No. You don't I see red. Okay. Are you are you colorblind or no. you just can't? Oh, okay. All right. I'm not trying to be smart. I'm oh yeah, you are. It's fine. That's blue. It ain't, it ain't that's, a problem at all. That's red. That's not blue. And that's not either one of our shoes. <laughs> okay. I swear on my goddamn life. Debbie Lee, you see the blue? I just want to verify for the yes, camera and audio. That was you don't see the blue? On the cotton swab. On the cotton swab. Yeah, I see it on the very tip of the blue. Okay, corner, thank you. That's that is not ours. Okay. Always Florida, Eugene. Always Florida. <laughs> Florida, so listen, Florida's a wild, wild place. Um, look, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a proponent of mandatory minimums, but I absolutely am when cops do wrong. And, um, you know, when, when you do things like plant drugs, using plant guns, I don't think you need to just lose your license to, to be a police officer. I think it should probably come with a 10-year mandatory minimum um, because, you know, the public trust and uh, keeping a public trust is the utmost uh, responsibility of a police officer. And um, a cop as well in a plant drugs or, or a lie in a report or uh, plant guns or um, indiscriminately um, uh, uh, pull people over. Um, should not be a police officer. Well, to say the least, I mean, the thing about this that's so frustrating is the 400 people that he's, he um, planted drugs on. So it wasn't just this one situation. So really, the state of Florida needs to go back through any arrest this person made mm-hmm. to basically verify mm-hmm. that it was a legitimate arrest to pay more attention to some of the people who were unlawfully arrested. Some of them, um, I think there was one gentleman who um, was released from jail. The others... Um, Served a little time, but not a lot. But this is, I mean, this is talk about basic violation of human rights. And the thing about this, Roland, that makes it so frustrating is that this is a pattern. We, a lot of people say, well, it's 2021. That was way back when. And way back when, yeah, they did plant guns on black people, black men in particular, drugs, um, doing prohibition, alcohol. But this is 2021. And they're still doing it. Well, the Bernard of this goes to show you, again, the lack of mistrust uh, with, with police officers. And here he had a partner who said, oh, yeah, that's blue. You can't convince me that other officers did not know what this guy was doing. 
Absolutely. So what's going to happen now is that the prosecutor's office is going to have to look at every case that either one of these officers were involved in. And in looking at those cases, unfortunately, there is no trust. There is no credibility with these officers. They're going to have to overturn those convictions or dismiss any open cases because the, the, the reliability of the prosecution has now been tainted. So there's no way that you can overcome that doubt in this case. So they're going to have to dismiss this. It's cops like this that makes other cops look bad, that create the distrust within police officers. Uh, yeah, I would think so, especially if you're sitting here uh, planting drugs on people. And again, we're talking about uh, 400 cases. And so uh, they're going to have to go back, not, not to look at those cases, but every single case uh, every. this cop uh, was uh, involved. Yeah, every single one uh, this cop was involved in. And so, again, folks, uh, all right, here's our uh, last police story uh, of the day. Let me pull this up here. Uh, we, we, we've been covering, of course, a number of these uh, stories here. But uh, in Tacoma, uh, a Washington state sheriff is now on a criminal investigation uh, by the attorney general's office for lying about being threatened by a black newspaper carrier. On January 27th, uh, Pierce County Sheriff Ed Troyer called 911 on 24-year-old Cedric Altimer. Body camera footage shows Altimer surrounded by dozens of officers trying to explain he did nothing wrong. I'm going to I know who he is. I know exactly who he is. We have no clue who you are. The sheriff, he's threatened? Okay. I'm so threatened. I knew he was a cop. I'm over here every night, six days a week. Can I explain it? No, I don't need nothing to be explained to me. I'm being followed. He called the cops. Congratulations. Yes. I'm coming to and from a house. Ooh, he's committing a crime. He's black. No one's saying He's black. He's black. I'm going to explain. I'm doing my paper route okay i understand that i see all the papers in your car yeah okay? congratulations he just called saying that someone threatened his life that's why we're here okay yeah i threatened his life so. because i walked up to him and asked Can him why he's following me did you guys have any verbal altercation? he's following me okay i walked up to his car because he came around the block again for the third time i approached him why are you following me okay. because i'm a black male in a white neighborhood oh where are you at I'm on the north end. See, that, oh, you don't that, know that, where you're at? My wife is black. I don't care. That's all we're trying to get to is what happened between you guys that made him call I us. am working. I am driving a bucket, and I'm in a nice neighborhood. I'm working. I'm over here every night. I see you guys every night. Nobody messes with me. But a car that sees a bucket in the neighborhood on the wrong side of the street, throwing a paper out the window, he's suspicious. Well, the sheriff could be facing charges of filing a false police report. They're also investigating him for past uh, misuse of authority. Oh, what happens when they have all that power, Julian? They get drunk with it. This is why. And, and look, to everybody out here, I, and let me be clear, I am not saying that body cams are the be-all to end-all, but this is why you have body cam footage, because you need to see every time a cop is doing something, and that's mm -hmm. why I believe if they're, that, that camera's not on, automatic firing, if it's not on. Yeah, I agree, Roland. You know, it's absurd that we have to go to this length, but we've seen so many cases where we know that we have to have documentation. This, this so-called officer... Um, to, to, 
to lie, use 911 to lie to some, say that someone has threatened your life is an absurdity. But we've seen it before. We saw it with, uh, what is it, Central Park Becky and, you know, the crazy Karens. Um, so we've seen it. But the challenge and the frustrating thing is this brother, I mean, bless him, he pretty much kept his composure. I mean, he went off a little bit. Who wouldn't? But um, imagine that he were even more agitated. And he has the right to be agitated. He's working. He's doing his job. Bernardo, the thing that's just crazy here, again, this is, I mean, the last story in Florida, this story in Tacoma, Washington. Abuse of power. People, cops who are drunk with power. Roland, he's just the donkey of the day with this foolishness. <laughs> the donkey of the day who got caught on his own body camera. This is a joke. I mean, I can't, I, I just don't understand. Did he not think this through? Did he not think this through? He's going to have to get fired. And again, just like the other officers in Florida, all his cases are going to have to be opened and examined and see if any cases or convictions need to be overturned or dismissed because of his donkey of the day activities. Uh, I, I just sit here and just sort of just shake my head, Eugene. I just sort of shake my head, folks. Um, the uh, the family of the family of Dante Wright they have been receiving death threats, uh, phone calls, and emails uh, since he was shot and killed. Uh, this is what they had to say. Have they faced uh, the family? Has the, have the family faced any death threats? Yeah. Uh, I don't want to specifically point those out, but there are some security concerns. Uh, you know, whenever you have a, an event like this, you get a lot of people who come out, and America is an interesting place. So there are some concerns about safety for the family that we are addressing and making sure that we can keep them safe. Uh, and I'm not sure, you know, why that happens, but you know, you do have people who uh, support the officer no matter no matter what, and some people. You know, are happy that she, you know, that she killed Dante. I'll just be honest with you. So I always get a bunch of calls and emails that are that are pretty, uh, I mean, racist. And that's uh, it's a sad thing to see that. You know, or you'll see comments on social media that are bad or that are nasty, or like the, like whatever police organization here in the state said, hey, if he complied, that you know he'd still be alive. I mean, who says that when a mother has just lost her child? You know, I mean, I, I don't know. It seems, sometimes it seems like people don't have hearts. But, yes, there have been some threats to the family, which is disturbing. But hopefully we can get past that as well and heal this nation. And, of course, Kim Potter, the former cop who shot and killed Dante Wright, faces charges uh, in his death. All right, folks, our final story of today over the weekend. There were two there were two services for rapper DMX who died on April 9th on Saturday. There was a massive rally mm-hmm. that took place at the uh, Barclays Center for him. And, of course, on Sunday, uh, a private memorial. Uh, both of those were live streamed over the weekend. Of course, uh, his, uh, his cherry-colored casket was driven throughout uh, his uh, hometown, driven from there all the way to the memorial service on the back of a, a massive uh, pickup truck followed by hundreds of rough riders uh, on, their, on their motorcycles. Uh, very ubiquitous uh, with the record label when he was uh, one of their top, uh, top uh, stars. Folks, uh, it was a number of people who performed uh, at the uh, service, uh, including his 
daughter. Here is some of that memorial service this weekend. He's strong. I learned so much from him, so I dedicate this song to him. Ayo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. Ayo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. Ayo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. My daddy's still holding my hand, so I gotta stand up. Ayo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. Ayo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. Ayo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. My daddy's still holding my hand, so I gotta get up. Ayo, I learned so much. From my father, he taught me life is my story. I'm the author. He taught me to be strong, but it's okay to be afraid. Cause sometimes it'll show you how to be brave. I know how to get up whenever I fall. I never give up. I give it my all. Cause I know I'm big even though I look small. Looking at my daddy's picture on the wall. I know he want me to be the best I can be. Nobody else. I gotta be me. My brothers and sisters, we all stand together. Throw up the X, daddy forever. I learn how to understand the good and the bad. I look in the mirror, sometimes I see my dad. I know he's with God, cause I know he loved him. When he was here, he put nobody above him. He taught me how to pray when I wake up and for when I go to sleep. Pray for my family, pray before I eat. And sometimes when I feel sad and weak, I can still hear him speak, yeah. By all means, I'ma do what's right. Even in the dark, I'ma be the light. I can do it, even when I'm feeling sad. Y'all call him DMX, I call him dad. Yo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. Yo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. And you're growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. My daddy's still holding my hand, so I gotta stand up. And you're growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. And you're growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. And you're growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. My daddy's still holding my hand, so I gotta stand up. People all over the world showing love. I say thank you and to God up above. I know my daddy's watching shining down on me. I can feel his love raining down on me. I know my daddy's watching shining down on me. I can feel his love raining down on me. So throw your X's up, and if you slip and you fall, you gotta get up. And you're growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. And you're growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. And you're growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. My daddy's still holding my hand, so I gotta stand up. DMX, of course, dead at the age of 50, and so uh, his fans gave him uh, a great send-off uh, this weekend. Folks, uh, we're broadcasting live from Liberty City, uh, North Carolina. We'll be broadcasting here tomorrow as well. Uh, that's going to be a vigil plan for Thursday. We'll be live-streaming that. We live-stream the events today. Uh, your support makes all of this possible. We, we aren't funded by billionaires and millionaires. Uh, your contributions absolutely matter. 
Uh, and so, please, if, we, if you could support what we do to make this possible uh, for us to be out here, for us to be able uh, to have our crew here, to be able to travel here, to be all day, uh, is so critically important, uh, and it matters. And so if you could join our Bring the Funk fan club, our goal is to get 20,000 of our members to contribute 50 bucks, uh, a minimum 50 bucks, of course. That's uh, $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. Uh, you can support us via Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, PayPal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered, Zelle is rolling at RolandSMartin.com. Uh, I can tell you, you didn't have any other black media who was out here uh, who's covering this. Uh, folks love to call themselves new black media. Uh, but they were not out here asking the questions that need to be asked. We're going to be doing the exact same thing tomorrow, trying to get answers uh, from the county attorney and others regarding uh, this video, the death of Andrew Brown Jr. So we will be back uh, in Elizabeth City, North Carolina tomorrow. This is not the only place we're going to be. May 13th, we'll be broadcasting live uh, the rally uh, in Baytown, Texas, for the one-year anniversary of the sister who was shot and killed, pregnant black woman uh, by a Baytown cop one year ago. And so us being able to be on the road, to travel this country, to be able to cover the news that matters in a perspective that others are not going to deliver is critically important. So your support matters. We have more than 10,000 people watching the show tonight on YouTube, nearly 2,000 uh, on Facebook. Folks are watching our streams earlier today. Uh, trust me, uh, the, the cost of uh, that stream, uh, uh, the, the cost of the gigabytes uh, for the stream, uh, it is not cheap. So we would certainly appreciate you support what we do by joining our fan club Again, Cash App is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. Venmo.com is forward slash RM Unfiltered. PayPal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered. And of course, rolling at rolling Com. Folks, also, do me a favor. I want you to go over to my Facebook page uh, or Instagram page. Today, we debuted uh, the first part of a six-part series, a conversation, an intergenerational conversation, an amazing conversation between Dr. Janetta B. Cole and Tiffany Lofton. One is 84, one is 32. Y'all, it's a 15-minute conversation. I guarantee you it will blow you away. Go to Facebook.com forward slash Roland S. Martin fan page. Or go to my Instagram page at RolandSMartin.com to watch that interview. Uh, it's called We Got Next. And it's a conversation between Dr. Janetta B. Cole and Tiffany Lofton. It's a fascinating conversation. You're certainly going to enjoy it. Let me thank my panel, Bernarda, Julian Malvo. Let me also thank Eugene. Thank you so very much for y'all being with us and providing your analysis. Again, folks, I will see you guys tomorrow. News conference, 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. We'll be streaming it right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. So put it on your calendar. Uh, and so check it out. That's right, tomorrow. And we'll be broadcasting the show live from the same spot. This is Roland Martin broadcasting live from Elizabeth City, North Carolina, covering the fatal shooting death of Andrew Brown Jr. I will see you tomorrow. Holla! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 